I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Oh, it's Soups the Podcast. I'm Francis. Julio, how are you? Good, man. What's going on? Oh, getting there. Getting there, baby. How yeah. are you? I'm good, bro. I'm like getting too used to this life. Have you thought at all about not moving back to New York City? Dude, it's funny. I think everybody that I know from New York City is saying that to me. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're thinking? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Started researching real estate up here in Maine. Right, and you just realize how you could actually afford to buy something there right now? I could be a father up here. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I cannot picture being a father in New York City. The idea of having children and being a father in New York City is, those two things are not reconcilable. You have to make uh, so much money. You have to make so much money. And the private schools, if you're interested in that, are yeah, yeah. fucking nuts. It's like university uh, tuition. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely buttfuckery. But here in Maine, the salary that I make right now, I, I honestly think would put me in, in like the 1% here. <laughs> and I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not making so much. I am barely making rent in New York City. And up here in Maine, I'd be able to buy a home a real home with fireplaces, a boat, maybe even yeah. two homes. Dude, I know, I know. It's uh, it's a crazy thing to think about. I'm still, I'm still on the NYC train for now, but I like, I think, I a residence. It will be a like second residence first before I buy my first one. If that makes sense, like I'll buy something out of the city while renting in the city. I see. Interesting. Whatever. Can you hear that chainsaw? Can you hear the one here? You got one too? I have somebody, it's a leaf blower, but it could be, it could sound like one. Ah, uh, mine's a chainsaw. They're taking down trees around, around. Chris can uh, hear the saw. Place. Yeah, that means that our listeners can too. And guess what, people? Um, just oh, enjoy shit. it. There it is. <laughs> Dude, enjoy, so- enjoy the sound of men being men and toppling trees and not yelling timber because... This isn't a Paul Bunyan folklore and mythology class. Um, <laughs> Are you supposed to actually yell timber? If you're around other people. Yeah, I think lumberjack, true lumberjacks up in the cutting hills do. You are saying you're not a true lumberjack, man? I don't know. You're Graham. You're looking no, like a real one. I'm a poser. I, I'm, I am sad about it. I'd like to be, but I know my place. <laughs> I, can't, I can't operate, you know, heavy machinery or... I don't know. I can't be trusted with a, a true chainsaw. Um, <laughs> Dude, I was thinking about, uh, like, th- if there's porn yet that's themed for quarantine-themed. Like, do you think, think that that – have you seen any yet? No, because I'm not looking for it. Chris says yes. Just, Go yeah. figure. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking of titles. Like, furloughed, L-O-A-D is a good one. <laughs> it's like after Jessica was let go from her job at the hotel – <laughs> furloughed also just sounds like a you know cream pie in a very hairy vagina that's true too yeah that's good. A, a beaver pelt dripping with the uh, greek yogurt um <laughs> it's disgusting 
Or it could also be furloughed, like FIR, like in the amidst evergreens. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be, and then it would be, that would be the, the lumberjack theme that we've been talking about. Right. Douglas you, Fur. Um, okay. So, so there are so many things we haven't checked in. How was your weekend? What's going on? My weekend was good, dude. I mean, I, I've been having like weekend dates with my girlfriend on Zoom. How long do those last? It depends, man. Like I, I drank too much this week, and it wasn't. And I had a, literally a tequila and a white claw, and that was too much. I was hammered. What? I know. I just wow. haven't. I haven't. I didn't drink for like a few months, and now that I'm getting back into it, it's like I get fucked up like right away. You know what I like? I like it when people describe how much liquor they drank by saying I had four fingers of tequila or I had four fingers of whiskey. What does that mean? It means that if you can put those four fingers together, the glass would be that full. Oh. People who say that are, are have real alcohol problems. Are they old? Um, I don't know. They can be different ages, I think. Um, that reminded me. That reminds me of something. Um, talk to me. So, I would. I think it would be really interesting to get a boarding school student on our podcast. Let's do it. Like boarding school to me is the most fascinating, insane. Also, like wasp exclusively wasp thing that well, I've ever encountered. I mean, look, I think it has a, a reputation as being super waspy, but it, I remember I went and looked at some of these boarding schools, Phillips Exeter, Phillips Andover, the traditional wasp strongholds. Right. And now they have diversity programs that are, they're basically small colleges. So they have kids from Korea and China and all over the world and there are there's a lot of diversity they're trying to be a broader version of the textbook cover that you see for the pamphlet that they feature in their right. admissions office if that feels very contrived to me i've seen the pamphlet for a couple of them i have friends who went and like the stories they tell me of the authoritarian fucking circumstances that they were living in or like yeah. conditions it's like crazy to me dude like guys if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Dude, boarding schools are the strictest place on earth. But they have to be because these kids are 16, 15, 14 years old and they're living under the guidance of you know whoever te well, the teachers at the school. who lives on the fucking floor that's weird yes. dude well yeah but a, is it weird that the teachers do that everything about it's weird to me i think it's set up for failure as far as like the minds of these young men and, and women who go like you're like i know so many kids who've gotten kicked out who like never really recovered from it like you can tell that their swag never recovered because they smoked pot in boarding school and got kicked out of school and I have to yeah. pay stuff. It's like crazy to me, dude. 
I, I agree. And I know a lot of people that also have been kicked out of boarding school. It's definitely a one strike policy in a lot of these places. The moment you're caught, you're done. Dude, I tutored a kid, no joke. This kid, wonderful kid, smart. He went to Taft, okay, which is one of the top. Yeah. This is the, the stories that I'm telling you right now are from someone who went to Taft, by the way. No, you're not going to believe this, okay? This kid went Lovely. to Taft, and he, it was his senior year, the night before graduation. Oh. The night before graduation, he's, he's in at his top choice college, very good school, uh, and he's, I guess, sitting in like a common area or something. And they had like a couple Gatorade bottles that had vodka in them. And the one of the resident deans or something or whatever they are came in and smelled the liquor, even though by that point, I think the bottles were like empty. And the kids got expelled. Oh, my God. Within, Within spitting distance of graduation. And then he got his admission revoked to oh, his university. Savage, dude. And kind of had, I, I think he either had to take a gap year or to then like reapply to schools or he ended up reaching out to like one of his safeties and went there. Oh my but, God. I mean, look, there's two ways to look at this. It's like, all right, wow. The school really came down hard and tried, clearly made an example, right? But the other hand is like, you knew the policy. You were very familiar with it all that time. You're telling me you couldn't have held out for fucking one more day for that celebratory drink? They're children, bro. They're children. Like, you know, you know what I mean? What about your weed story? Should you have been expected to email Harvard saying, you know what I mean? Okay, but my weed story, it's entirely possible, if you're not right, likely, right. knowing myself, that if I'm at boarding school, I'm not smoking weed. Fair enough. One of the problems, one of the reasons I was smoking weed was because I was at public school and I was like, this place is fucking anarchy. You can do anything you want. (laughs) Get kids fucking in the locker room in the middle of the day. Very accurate. Kids are having babies. You know, that's not happening at St. Paul's on the polo team. (laughs) There are no no squash players that are getting pregnant at 15. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's That's not how it works. That's very funny. Um, there's something fucked up to me though about the idea of like sending your child away in their formative years where they truly need reasonable guidance and love and you just are going to fucking send them away so you can drink liquor on the weeknights and have a social life still or something. Like, I do, it, sounds, it seems so fucked up to me. The okay, whole system so is backwards. The answer to that would be that a lot of these kids desperately want to go. And right. these boarding schools, when you visit them, dude, they are enchanting. Okay, they are true colleges. I mean, I visited a bunch of them, bro. I'm not that impressed. They look like they were built for 400 fucking years ago. Where'd you go? Where'd you see? I've seen Taft. My brother went to Choate. I've seen uh, Hotchkiss, Deerfield. I've seen a few of these spots. I mean, I was going to say, you know, like Lawrenceville's campus is insane. I went and visited there. Their athletic facilities. It, It truly rivals. Like, I remember seeing Lawrenceville. And then shortly thereafter, I went to Brown right. for some reason. And it was like, I was like, these two, I'd rather go to Lawrenceville than Brown. Right. The camp, Brown, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And so the point is, like, if you're coming from some 
shitty rural school or small place and you want to lock into an amazing place with incredible teachers, uh, amazing athletics, incredible music department, great drama, and uh, make really good friends. Also, incredible academic institution that sends a shitload of kids to like top schools, right. college application guidance, all of that. Um, these boarding schools are, are a pretty a pretty great outlet. And I think especially coming from New York City, which is where I tutored kids, right? right? That was my biggest moneymaker was eighth graders who wanted to place out into high school. Um, they've grown up in New York City. They've been accompanied and had their hands held by a nanny walking in the four blocks to right. school every That's day. So and then they walk home and it's like not safe. And they've had it Im imprinted on their brain that they, they, if they want to go to the park, they've got to they've have a, a guardian with them at all times. And then to finally be able to get to a high school where you can actually walk across campus and like be a little bit more independent. And I think a lot of high schoolers want that. I think New York city's pretty cramped. So if I agree with you to a, to an extent, I think if I were raising kids in New York city, I'd be much more open to them going to boarding school than if I had, if I were raising kids in, in Maine, for example. Right. So uh, here's, here's, I, I hear what you're saying. But this idea, these kids who go there, they have opportunities up the fucking ass. Going to boarding school isn't something that's going to get them out of some squalid poverty. Like, they're all fucking rich, rich kids. Almost, I know that you're saying there's a diversity no. program, whatever. No, but you're right, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, they're rich kids who they have the same opportunities going to school in the city, theoretically. I, yes. I, I, I understand the keeping them out of trouble argument. I know these city kids get in a lot of trouble. But, like, this idea that you need to go and and also the the thing about them wanting to go i've what i've noticed is it's like their friends are going so they want to go i don't know what came first the chicken or the egg or their fucking dad and grandfather went and that whole thing but like i don't see the appeal at all it sounds like and you have some teacher who's pissed about the fact that you're some shithead kid who doesn't care about this amazing education you're getting who are just looking to fucking expel your fucking ass to make themselves feel better because they're pissed that they live in watertown connecticut Right. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's certainly the case that, like, I don't think anybody really looks the other way. Uh, but that's also because, like, it, these teachers and these hall monitors, they can't make exceptions for one kid. It has to be, you know, super consistent in how they lever lower the boom. Um, but, dude, I, I mean, to your point, okay, so if you had a kid and your kid begged you to let him or go, her go to boarding school – would you say no? I would say the same thing to my dad that my dad said to me when I asked if I could go to Catholic school. He said, no fucking way. <laughs> Why did you ask if you could go to Catholic school? I, all right. First of all, this is the other important detail. <laughs> I was fucking 14 and didn't know shit, dude. Okay. So some of the kids were going. I didn't actually want to go, but some of the kids were going to this Catholic school. My dad had a very negative experience in Catholic school. Mm -hmm. um and was like there's no there's absolutely no way you guys are going there um but i would say the same shit i'd be like i don't want my kid going away i want to be with my kid while i still have him legally until he those rotten kids go off to college and never call yeah yeah you some know? people would call that smothering and if you hold your kids too close they may resent you for it all right fine but that's not smothering because theoretically i, sh I would be able to give them the leeway to live and experience and make mistakes and not 
fucking vilify them for it, for getting caught drinking alcohol out of a Gatorade bottle when lights off are 11 o'clock and I can't have sex. I can't experiment with girls when I'm in my reproductive peak. Dude, let me tell you something. In high school, you know, you, the, the biggest trouble and the, the things that were the closest to knocking me off a path to success involved sex, <laughs> alcohol, and drugs. Right. If I had had a little bit more, you know, structure and a more rigid system of discipline, it's possible that I would be on my way to being president of the United States right now. But it's also possible that you be at the piano if I had gone to Phillips Andover and my roommate Song Jong Kim was practicing for six hours a day and I was like, well, I mean, that's too much, but I can at least do three. I'd be the best comedian in the world right now. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't know. About <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what, what were you saying? Something about, oh, dude, but I would argue that it's important to be well balanced, to, to have balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you hadn't touched alcohol or drugs at all, your first week at Cambridge, you might have gotten too fucking wasted and got hit by a car in the middle of Davis Square. It's possible. It is true. It is true. Um, and I think maybe, you know, again, I like this argument we're having. And I think that hopefully summers would be a good place for kids to learn their alcohol and drug limits, understand a healthy relationship with substances. I, I mean, again, not for nothing. A lot of these kids that I knew that went to boarding schools had summer houses in like Hamptons-esque places. Right. But also, and, and a lot of them end, in re end up in rehab too. I, I wonder about that. So like, I wonder if there's a, a higher uh, likelihood of ending up with like true substance abuse problems for kids that came out of boarding school versus came out of private day schools. You know what I mean? Like in New York City. Because in my experience, the kids that stayed in New York, and again, I know this is a very specific slice of humanity, but uh, the, the kids that stayed in New York City through high school by the time they were juniors, they were going to the meatpacking district on Tuesday nights because right. they knew some kid who was older who was at NYU whose dad had a black card and never looked at the fucking balance and would just hand it to his kid. And this kid would throw down for a fucking table at right. up and down because right. uh, everyone heard that like T-Pain was going to be there that night. And like he and seven high schoolers would go. I had right. kids that I would tutor on a Wednesday who were hungover at 4 p.m. Yeah. from going yeah. to a nightclub the night before. I know those kids too, man. And it's, it, is, it is a crazy thing. But I will say this. I agree with what you're saying. And I think that the theme here is maybe just having the access to trouble like that. Because I know a lot of boarding school kids who end up in rehab too. And I don't think that there's any way to argue that it didn't have something to do with living under oppression in your formative years. It's possible. It's possible. But for me, it all comes down to parenting, though. I really do, because I've seen parents in New York who totally. raised kids in, you know, really fancy apartments, who had summer houses in the Hamptons, who sent kids to boarding school, all, all different mixes, right? And I've seen some of those kids turn out really, really well and be very grounded, uh, strong sense of family, like a healthy relationship with with alcohol and drugs, whatever. And 
Uh, I've also seen it go the other way. And I think a lot of it is just like, you know, just as it's the case wherever you are, like how well did the parents right. instill values and structure and like safety in their kids? Right, right. And how involved were they in their lives, et yeah. cetera. But dude, totally. you know what was crazy about like tutoring those super wealthy Upper East Side kids? Like I was tutoring and trying to fucking be a comic. And all of my friends, we've talked about this. We talked about this in our, our last week. All of our friends, like when you first moved to New York, just racking up credit card debt, going to nightclubs, getting in, splitting a table between like 14 people. And occasionally I would like go with them. And uh, I remember talking to some of my students and saying like, you know, yeah, I like to go to, I like to go to PhD, Penthouse of the Dream. And then like this 16 year old kid would be like, dude, that was so last year. Yeah. <laughs> that place is tired, place man. It sucks now, dude. The new place is Boom Boom Room. And you'd be like, what? Can you get me in? I'm like asking for favors from some 16 year old who can barely do algebra too. Right. Dude, totally. That very, it resonates with me as well, man. That's but very dude, true. To your point, the way I would see it go was that these kids would get tired of New York City's nightlife. New York City nightlife. Right. Arguably the best nightlife in the world. The most exciting, the most elite, the right. best nightlife, right? So these places stay out till five in the morning. These kids, they get tired of it, right? They go to college and then all of a sudden, instead of bouncing around a nightclub you know, rubbing arms with Leonardo DiCaprio, they're relegated to dorm room parties and beer pong. And it's such a step down for them that they seek the next high, the next thing. And that's when they would turn to drugs, cocaine, methamphetamine, huffing, I don't know, pain right, center, right. whatever. And that's right. when they would spill out and end up in rehab. Right. That all makes sense to me, man. Yeah. That definitely Sad. all makes sense to me. For me, my social life was, it was a linear progression, right. you know, like Same. New York City nightlife was an improvement on going out to bars in Boston, was an improvement on dorm room parties playing beer pong, was an improvement on high school house parties. Right, 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 right. In the woods, you we know. Do, we, have, we have a very similar path in a lot of ways. I mean, we both went to school in the Boston area. We both had jobs to make money where we dealt with like these shitty rich kids. Yeah. A lot of them were wonderful kids too. Don't get me wrong. Like true. This is a healthy mix. Um, I don't know if I've told this story before. Chris stopped me if I did, but I remember one time very specifically, there was a caterpillar walking on the tennis court and I haven't heard this. Okay. So the caterpillar's walking and I'm teaching seven year olds, dude. So seven year olds <laughs> like caterpillars. So yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, look, look at the caterpillar. Isn't that great? And this one girl goes, I don't care for that. I was like, excuse me? I just wanted to beat her ass, dude. I wanted to beat a seven-year-old. Look, it, yeah, I mean, that's pretty snooty of her. Had it been me, <laughs> I probably would have taken a tiny little string, tied up the caterpillar, and roasted it over a slow flame just to hear the hiss. <laughs> hear the hissing and the popping, try to see if I could hear a scream. That's what I would have done. But that's just me. <laughs> that's very funny. Dude, I, I used to, birds, man. I used to, birds used to like, I had a problem with birds. I Like if I found a bird's nest. You didn't like I, them? I would want to, I would want to like, 
touch the eggs. I wanted to catch birds. One time we, we had friends that had a, a lake house in the Adirondacks, which is like upstate New York. You ever been up there? The Finger Lakes uh, area? What? What'd you say? The Finger Lakes. I think I have been, but like passing yeah. through. Is it near like Lake George and stuff? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, right. Okay, I have, mm-hmm. yeah. It's nice. It's it nice. nice. Beautiful. We had, a, we had a friend that had a house up there and they had a, they had a net, like a net at the end of a rod uh, that I think was meant for pulling fish out of the water, whatever. But they had these little ducks, these little ducks that would, would swim through the, and very close to the dock area. And I would watch them all the time. And it was a mother and a father duck and then like eight little ducklings. And one day I took the net down as the ducks were passing and I scooped one of the little baby ducks up in the net. And all of a sudden I had caught a wild animal (laughs) and I picked it up in my hands, this adorable little ducklet. And I walked up to where all the parents were having cocktail hour with a cheese board and I was like, hey, look, I must have been seven years old. I was like, look what I found. And they were all like, oh, my God, no, 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 you can't keep it. You got to put that back. And I was like, what, what? Nobody wants this? This is awesome. And then they were like, no, no, take it back. And they, like, took it, and they tried to put it back in the water. And the mother and the father duck would not accept the baby back into the family. They like nipped at it. And I see that going two ways. Either that baby duck grew up to like ride motorcycles and, you know, get a bunch of tattoos, but then started like Tesla or it died. It probably died pretty quickly because it couldn't feed itself, which is sad. But that was a lesson, you know? It was. Dude, I have a, um, first of all, I love the fact that you called it a ducklet. Ducklet, yep. I've never heard probably that duckling. It's probably duckling. But ducklet's cute, dude. That's yeah. very nice. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> what you said when you brought it up. You actually have never recovered from that. You just reverted to your seven-year-old state being like, a ducklet. I know. It's a fucking duckling, Francis. Put it back. <laughs> I mean, weren't you, were you ever curious about wild animals? I was dude, constantly curious. I have a great duck story also. Good. Bring it up. So in Italy, we would spend time in Italy during the summer. And for the longest chunk, we were there for like a minute, for like a few months. Uh, my dad was teaching at the university there or something, whatever. So at the town that we lived in, that my, uh, fit money, much of my family still lives there. Um, What's it called? The town is called Varano. Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, no. I've heard of Verona. Verona is like a city. Varano yeah. is near like, uh, it's kind of near Milan. Kind of, It's like Parma is the like, big city that's nearby or whatever. Okay. Um, so regardless, there, there was like a fair just like a fair, like we would have, you know what I mean? Shooting basketball, whatever. Oh yeah. So there was games where you could win animals, real animals, um, like ducks and the throwing games, Italians don't play throwing sports really. No. So they all suck at it. They're all kind of like doing this. And my dad and my brother and I are over there just fucking whipping and winning all the games. So we won a couple animals and we won a duck. Wow. Um, I named him Pino and we took him home and my, one of my aunt, like my great aunt owns a farm. So we brought the duck to the farm, like naturally, whatever. Um, and then a couple of months later, I like, we went back to America and I checked in on, and my dad had told me, he sat me down. He's like, listen, Pino drowned. I'm like, what oh. do you mean he drowned? It's a fucking duck. What do you mean yeah. he drowned? 
they, I, so I don't know if I believe it to this day, unless they were keeping the, <laughs> unless they were keeping the duck in captivity or something, and they like drowned that way. I feel like something must have eaten it, or they just drowned it on purpose. Uh huh. Yeah, he drowned right into a a, a, a dumpling. <laughs> drowned right into, into some foie gras, you know. Yeah, that's funny. They actually they do cook with all that stuff there. They cook a lot of gamey food like rabbit and shit. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's like mountain mountainous. That's hilarious though. Speaking of food, what's the best dish that you've had so far in quarantine? Oh man, they best the, homemade dish. So dude, the people I'm quarantining with, uh, they made hand rolls the other night. What are oh sushi? Yeah, they bought a bunch of raw fish and like made an omakase that I will. I think he like the guy was just so psyched that he was good at it that he just offered this to me. He bought everything and prepared it, and I just had to show up. It was really amazing. This is a guy that you're one of your friends. Yes. So is he good? He he's done this before. He's made uh, omakase before. He's been playing around with it, and apparently he took a class in, in at boarding school about uh, making. Oh, you don't <laughs> yeah. find that at Yarmouth High School in fucking Maine. <laughs> Where everyone becomes yeah. a dishwasher at the muddy rudder. Well, <laughs> well-rounded experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, Every, my, that's All mine. my classmates joined the military. <laughs> not, that not that there's anything wrong with that. Nobody was rolling up hand rolls right. of, of albacore in right. quarantine. You know they what I mean? rolling up the American flag properly. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Holding it perfectly. I feel like we're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Dude, no, sorry, here's- keep going. Well, no, I, um, well, if you want to tell me about your meal, because then I have a, a military question for you. Great. What's uh, your best meal of quarantine? So the best meal, well, we had fish tacos last night. Ooh. And everything was pretty much homemade. Uh, my girlfriend made an amazing slaw that went along with it. Nice, uh, crunchy, cabbage-based slaw. And then we had halibut that was perfectly flaky, really oh, well-seasoned. Um, some mango salsa as well as some other types of salsa and then a little uh lime habanero hot sauce and some cheese uh it was i mean it was it was it's awesome turning me on man but dude you know what the key ingredient of that was um instead of using like regular flour tortillas we used almond flour tortillas and i kind of typically i think that these healthy workarounds are bullshit and are are usually inferior this was a big improvement on the traditional flour tortilla i like that a lot yeah so that was that was a big highlight dish but otherwise i mean she's made so many like all-star meals that you know it's it's tough to see how we're not gonna get married at this point (laughs) dude i have a funny food is she over there yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) um dude i almost fucking drove 150 miles to smack my dad in the head yesterday because he called me he's like he was on his way to the store to return cheese (laughs) i was like what are you doing dude four dollar finlandia swiss you're you're gonna die dude (laughs) the stupidest shit you've ever heard dude my parents are doing the same i mean that's extreme but like my parents in one breath will be like nobody go to the store if anyone goes it's one person in the other person stay in the car wipe everything down and then my mom will go daily to the supermarket yeah, dude, it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, There's a total inconsistency of policy versus uh, reality here. 
dude, as if boomers didn't have it bad enough. Now after this, like they are, you know, and I would love to keep them all alive. You know what I mean? There are loved ones and stuff, but like the fuck's my dad doing, dude? I know. It's like, so stupid. Well, here's, here's my question. This was something I was thinking about and I want to get to your military question. But my question for you was, we treat Generation Z with such disdain, right? You and I, millennials are for so many years. Are we I just Generation think, Z? No, no, no. We're, we're millennials. Okay. But every, I think every new, every generation looks at the ones that come after as, as being the, the corruptors of society and the downfall. And, you know, right now we look at these Gen Z kids and we're like, oh, wow, you're, they're, they're on their phones constantly and oh, all right, their right. TikToks and all that bullshit, right? And somehow we think we're like rougher and more noble. Um, I, I think two things are going to happen from this. One, Generation Z kids, when they grow up, are going to tell their kids that they lived through the coronavirus in the same way that our grandparents told us they lived through the Great Depression or World War II. Right. This will be the defining uh, adversity moment For them. of their lives, totally. right? Totally. And their kids will like look on with wide eyes as, they as their parents describe like, having spotty Wi-Fi or, you know, having to hole up in a, in a one bedroom in New York City for three months. Now, the other side of that coin is that I am not going to look at Gen Z kids with as much disdain after this as I did before. I acknowledge that they are enduring the same hardships that we are right. and that we are all the people who were alive for this, regardless of age, have endured something uh, that, you know, makes us kind of a little bit stronger. Right. That's good, man. I mean, I try not to have disdain towards other generations because I feel that there is truly something to be learned from everyone. Totally. You know what I mean? Even though certain uh, people can be annoying or whatever, but I, um, I agree with you for sure. I mean, this is definitely yeah. a uniting... Right. moment to some degree i don't know whatever okay well so so what's your question about the military so i was thinking this the other day i took like a military class when i was in college about mil reporting military affairs cool. which i think was like a dead thing in journalism at the time and it was like a very big cold war profession to be a military reporter and okay. you're talking about arms or whatever so i learned the kind of different uh like the specifications of how many people made like a, a different term. Like for example, a platoon is, you know, yeah. four, 16 to 44 people. Okay. And I was wondering, is that no, like common knowledge or not? Like to yeah. know the difference of those things? Uh, oh, oh, I don't think, I don't think a ton of people know that. No. So like a battalion, that's not a thing that someone's like, oh, that's X amount of people. I think if you're a fan of military history, Yes, you might know from it's it's open knowledge. Like you could look it up, right? Um, I'm a little bit more familiar because one of the kids I tutored is currently in the military, so I, I like keep up with him a cool. lot, and and it's fun to talk to him, especially now. But no, I don't think that a lay person would know how many people you know the different right. ranks. Right. Or how many people are comprised in a in a battalion versus a platoon versus a whatever? Dude, I'll tell you this. I think soldiers really get a bad they get a bad rap, and it's not it's really not fair. Like, have you ever 
my, in my personal experience, anytime I've ever met anybody who's a soldier, they're like the most wonderful person I've ever met in my life. Totally. And I think, you know, when World War II happened, we're, soldiers were universally recognized as being heroes. Right. And then Vietnam happened. And it and flipped. Soldiers would return home and people would like boo them. That's insane, right? And now, like, the war in Afghanistan was a little bit more Iraq. I mean, we haven't had a war that the entire country was universally in support of since World War II, probably. Right, right, yeah. And the Afghanistan Korea, thing doesn't really count. Yeah. I, yeah, and I see what you're Afghanistan saying. Afghanistan was until it dragged on for, t- whatever, 20 for odd 20 years. 20 years, yeah. Look, we're um, going to pick up the rest of this conversation in the next Oops! the Podcast, guys. Unfortunately, we are out of time today. G, any last thoughts? Dude, uh, you know, stay, stay the course. I think, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel. I agree, my man. I'll check in with you in a couple of days. Uh, stay strong, brother. Keep us posted on what you're watching on TV. For now, follow Oops! The Podcast on Instagram, everybody. Stay safe. Talk. And hit to us up. Soon. Hit us up with your stuff. Hell yeah. We want to hear your stories.